All right, good morning. Very thankful to be with you all this morning. Thankful to the people who are watching on Facebook and the visitors we have today. Uh, just wanted to recap kind of what we've been going through. Uh, we're doing a small mini-series here in Romans 8. And just to kind of frame the discussion, we are looking at Romans 8, at least trying to as best we can, look at Romans 8 through a fresh set of eyes. Um, I, I mentioned last week that sometimes when we get to passages that we know very well, we get into this kind of rhythmic reading where, where we kind of don't really pay attention to what we're actually reading. And so last week, uh, we spent a little bit of time at the beginning here in Romans chapter 8 talking about the difference between flesh and spirit. And I think I said it about 15,000 times last Sunday. But remember that flesh gives birth to flesh, which eventually leads to death. And the spirit gives birth to spirit, which leads to life. And we talked about how simple it sounds sometimes to choose the spirit over the flesh. But we also talked about how sometimes the flesh can be kind of sneaky, right? Nod your heads if you're with me, if you remember this a little bit. Even if you don't remember it, just nod your head. So I feel good. Um, sometimes the, the flesh can be really obvious, like don't murder. Okay, I won't. Right? Those, what we called last week, were the raging bulls, the ones that are obvious to point out. We talked about how the flesh can be sneaky, and sometimes we get caught up in the flesh, and we consume the world, we consume the world, and sometimes we start acting and ending up more and more like the world, the more that we consume it. And so we're going to kind of build off that idea today, but we left on a really great note last week. I'm just going to reread here Romans 8, verses 14 through 17. For those who are led by the Spirit of God are the children of God. That's, that's not on there. I'm just reading this from the Bible. If you have your Bibles, be in Romans chapter 8. The Spirit you received does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. Rather, the Spirit you received brought about your adoption to sonship. And by, by Him we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit Himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. Now, if we are children, then we are heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ, if indeed we share in his sufferings, in order that we may also share in his glory. So we just read Romans 8, verses you know, 18 through 30, but we're going to continue. I want to reread this last section uh, together, or I'll read it this morning. In the same way, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. We do not know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us through wordless groans. And he who searches our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit because the Spirit intercedes for God's people in accordance with the will of God. And we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. For those God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son, that he might be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. And those he predestined, he also called. And those he called, he also justified. And those he justified, he also glorified. So we have these two kind of distinctions. Last week we talked about flesh and spirit. Today we are a little bit uh, talking about suffering, right? A really great word to talk about every Sunday morning. A little bit of suffering, a little bit of glory. Right? We have a distinction between flesh and spirit. We have a distinction between suffering and glory. I consider not our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. Suffering and glory. With these fresh eyes, these two themes pop up between verses 18 and 30 over and over again. Suffering and glory. Suffering and glory. The choice should be really obvious. Who in here likes to suffer? Anybody? No hands should be raised, right? 
You know, we uh, don't typically like to suffer. Sometimes we don't like to exercise because that involves me suffering on purpose. What is with that, right? It's crazy. You know, I run, I, I, I tell you, I run most days, and every single step, I hate every single step, right? I'm dripping sweat. I hate it, but I also love it, right? I love what happens after, and we can kind of, you know, nod our heads maybe with that idea, but the choice should be obvious between suffering and glory, but it should be very important to take this in light of what we read last week. Okay, in, li- in light of what I just read, this whole idea of being adopted sons and daughters, by him we cry, Abba, Father, we are God's children. In light of that truth, we have these two things, suffering and glory, suffering and glory. Yes, we are adopted sons and daughters. Yes, we have this expectation of a new reality. But nothing changes with our physical day-to-day lives often, right? Sometimes uh, we read these big passages and they're really uplifting, but it's not like you become a a new person just like that. It's not like you're playing a video game and and you select this character, you select this, and then all of a sudden you change, right? To me, what I kept thinking of was a game of tag. Anybody play tag recently? Maybe? I don't know. I play more tag than most probably. And when you're playing tag, you know, you're running around and you're, you're tag, if you're itch, you're f- trying to find someone else to be it, right? Whatever that means. And, and you make that person it, and that person is now in charge of chasing around everybody else. Now, w- when you're playing the game of tag, being it means something very significant, but when you're not playing tag, being it means absolutely nothing, right? I kind of had that same kind of mindset when we read scripture and we read it in light of we are children of God. We are adopted as sons and daughters by him. We cry, Abba, Father. To the world, it doesn't seem like anything's going on that's different. And it might not look any different in you. Your physical body's not going to change. Your, your day-to-day life might not change drastically. But it's like when you are adopted as sons and daughters, you're it. Right? In the context of your faith, in the context of taking on Christ in baptism, in the context of saying, you know what, I'm going to live by the Spirit and deny the flesh, I can live into this reality. It's tough, though, because sometimes things don't change for you, right? Like your outward body does not change. And we'll always share some similarities with the world around us, right? We are flesh and blood people. Even looking at the example of Christ, he himself shared similarities with the people around him. He had to. We talked about that last week too, right? In order for us to inherit eternal life with him, he had to come in here and take that risky, that that risk, right? Taking on sin in the flesh. And we share similarities with the people around us. Even though this is truth, even though we are children of God, adopted sons and daughters, even though this is truth, we still share flesh and blood. We still look a whole lot like the world. But But the difference is, is that We might look like the world. We might act a little bit like the world at times, but we see things differently, right? It's like the game of tag. The context is flipped for us. Now, instead of pursuing the flesh, now instead of pursuing whatever I can pursue to achieve my goals and whatever I want to accomplish, I have a new mindset. Yes, I am an adopted son or daughter of God. I am a co-heir with Christ. But there's a little bit here. Our physical lives won't be so, so different. They'll be very similar to other people. We'll still get sick. We'll still experience loss. And we're still going to experience suffering. I remember, I think I've shared this story before. 
I was 20 years old. I was working at the golf course, washing golf carts and clubs, and I worked with this older gentleman who was not a Christian. And he knew that I was a Christian. And he would always find the weirdest questions to ask me all the time that I was not prepared to answer. And one of the questions that he asked me was, if a plane's falling out of the sky and a Christian's praying on the plane, why does the Christian die in a plane accident? And I was like, when's our shift over? <laughs> like, I'm not ready for this. Like, I don't know what that is. I don't know how to, I, to this day, I don't know how I would talk to that guy. Because he was ready to, you know, make me fall, make me stumble, whatever it is. But I will never forget that guy. And as I studied this week, as I read this, he came to mind. I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. We're still going to experience sickness, death, despair, but there's something else. We have a different context. This eternal game of tag, we are it. We are chosen sons and daughters of God. We have a different context, but we still take on some of the ailments of being human, the ailments of having flesh. And we see this a lot of times. The discouragement kind of pops up in new Christians or people who might have a revival in their faith. Right? I see this all the time at camp. I'm fixing to go to camp today. I'm probably going to see this happen this week. You know, it's really easy to become a Christian when you're surrounded by other Christians. And it's really easy in that context of camp to just be on fire for Christ. And then once you leave that, that area, it's like, oh, no. <laughs> I'm still a human. Oh, no, I still have those friends. And it's not just for teenagers. It's with adults, too. We experience, okay, if I just pray these prayers, if I just go to these Bible studies, if I just do X, Y, and Z, then I will really know what it means to be a son and daughter of Christ. But we forget the fact that we're still flesh and blood human. We still forget the fact that even though we do those things sometimes, we still live in a broken world. Even though we have this different context of this kind of eternal it, right? The eternal son and daughter. Even though we see the world differently, we're still going to experience suffering. And that can be really discouraging, right? Have you ever been there? Nod your head, please, if you're with me. Paul realizes that the world is completely completely broken, and he doesn't leave us, right, in this place. He says this because he himself has experienced suffering, right? I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. And it's so important that he says it after this, like, rah-rah statement of, we are children of God, we are adopted sons and daughters, we are God's children, because it's so easy to say that and forget about all the brokenness that's happening all around, it's so easy to have that kind of tattooed on our hearts and to feel like we are sons and daughters of God and forget about everybody else who suffers. What about the mother who can't feed their children? What about the person who's wasting away alone in a hospital bed? We can't just say, oh, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm God's child. Everything's fantastic. No, we live in a broken world. It is so, so important to acknowledge the suffering that not only we experience, but the world experiences. But there's more to the story. There's, there's, there, there's more to this. But as I'm reading Romans 8, this section of Romans 8, I'm trying again to read it with fresh eyes. And I know all these things up here. I know that there's suffering. I know that there's glory. But the question that I kind of ask myself is, okay, why? Why do I experience suffering? If I am truly an adopted son and daughter 
or whatever you, whatever you fall into that, like your category, right? I'm an adopted son. You, I might not be an adopted daughter. You might be. Uh, why do I experience suffering? That doesn't seem fair to me. With fresh eyes, I sit with this, and, and I, and I kind of wrestle with it. But as I wrestle with it, I kind of had this thought about theme parks. And I know our, our, our entire state kind of revolves around people coming here and, and going to theme parks, right? Thank you for tourism. Um, I love it. Um, I love going to theme parks. So we go to Universal all the time. I love roller coasters. I love all the things that, that are going on at theme parks. Um, I love to ride the big rides, but sometimes those big rides have big wait times, right? You ever see it's like you want to ride this ride, but it's 120 minutes to get on to the ride. That seems crazy to me. 120 minutes for a five-second, five-minute ride, that's crazy. But we still do it, right? Uh, I have a... a um, a mindset when I'm at the theme parks is that if it's more than an hour, it is not worth it. Okay, I can ride five or six rides in the time it takes me to ride that one. And maybe after I'm done riding those five or six rides, I can get on the one I want to ride. But sometimes I do end up waiting in those lines. Um, my son is a big Harry Potter fan, and he finally got the courage to ride Haggard's motorbike at Universal. And we stood in line for 150 minutes. It's a long time. It was hot. It was, and and to, to his credit, it's worth it, okay? It's, it's a really fun ride. Um, but the whole time I'm thinking, we could be riding Men in Black. We could be riding this other stuff. We could ride four or five rides in the time. But it was kind of worth it to ride that ride and to wait in that line, okay? It's pretty fun. But sometimes, you know, when I think about the context of Romans 8, I kind of have this mindset of standing in line at a theme park, Okay? You probably see where I'm going. It's a very, very kind of, you know, lame metaphor, but this waiting in line is kind of like how we wait in our lives. Let's look here in Romans 8, 22 and 23. We know that the whole creation has been groaning as in the pains of childbirth right up to the present time. Not only so, but our, we ourselves, who have the first fruits of the Spirit, groan inwardly as we wait eagerly for our adoption to sonship the redemption of our bodies. There has been this eternal longing that's been going on since the very beginning of time. And it's not only you and me sitting here in 2022, right? Don't get it twisted because it's been going on for a very, very long time. We are not by ourselves in our longing. The whole creation has been waiting for the, with eager expectation for something to happen. For God to step in. And the question is, what are we longing for? What are we waiting for? For in this hope we are saved, but hope that is seen is no hope at all. Who hopes for what they already have? But if we hope for what we do not yet have, we wait for it patiently. What are we waiting for? We don't even know yet. Isn't that crazy? We don't actually know what we're waiting for yet. When I wait in line... At Universal, I know exactly what to expect. I know exactly what I'm waiting for, and I weigh whether or not it's worth it. But when I read Romans 8, it seems that there's something that's going to come that, that, that's going to supersede anything that I could think or imagine or believe is even possible. We're waiting expectantly. We're waiting patiently for something we don't even know exactly what it's going to be, but we know that it's going to be Jesus. We wait expectantly, we wait patiently, and we don't really know what it is. 
But you see, we often have the same theme park mentality that I was talking about, right? Because sometimes we get, you know, in the trenches in our Christianity, and we're, we, we had the revival, but, but now we're weeks away, we're months away, we're years away from that baptismal experience, and now the suffering starts to happen, and things start to go sideways, right? We talked months ago about this great faith, what to do when our faith is tested and tried, and we had different things we talked about, but the reality is, is that our life is going to involve suffering, whether you're a Christian or not. But the cool thing about being a Christian is that our suffering actually means something. The suffering that we experience here on earth, there's something that's going to happen at the end of the suffering that's going to make everything worth it. But we don't know exactly what it's going to be, right? I talk about Habakkuk all the time. Habakkuk is there wrestling with God saying, God, why on earth are you going to create these bad things for your own people? And God says back to Habakkuk, even if I told you, you wouldn't believe it. And Habakkuk wouldn't believe it because the bad things that happens to Israel actually ends up being their redemption at a later time. But Habakkuk wasn't ready. Even if God told Habakkuk, he would not believe it to be possible. And we sit here in 2022 reading Paul's words that were written thousands of years ago. For in this hope we are saved, but the, but the hope that is seen is no hope at all. Who hopes for what they already have? But if we hope for what we do not yet have, we wait for it patiently. We don't know what it's going to be. We don't know what it's going to look like. But it's going to be worth it. It's going to be worth it. And I believe that to be true because of what Paul also writes in Romans chapter 8, this idea that we are children of God. We are adopted into the sonship and daughtership, right? We are co-heirs with Christ. And we get in this, like I was saying before, we, we get along, we get away from that bad, baptismal experience, and we start treating our Christianity like a theme park to where it's like, I can do this for a little bit on Sunday mornings, and I can do this for a little bit on Wednesdays, maybe. I might go through a season where it's like, you know what? I'm not going to go to church at all. I'm going to see the, the, the ride time. I'm going to see what the wait time is and see if I can jump on then. See if I can clear my schedule to be, you know, in the right state of mind so that I can actually fully pursue Christ and, and wait patiently for what he has in store for me. Unfortunately, that's not how this is supposed to work. Right? When, when we're adopted sons and daughters, that's not permission to go do whatever we want. That's not permission to say, you are once a daughter, always a daughter. And no matter what you do, you're fine. And, and trust me, I want to talk about the prodigal son as well because the father waits expectantly for the son to come back, right? And I truly believe in that image. But we have something to do with it as well. Am I right? Am I right? We have to be pursuing. We have to say, you know what? Since I am a son and daughter, since I have this co-heir, since I'm going to experience suffering, I need to cling to what is true. I need to cling to what God is calling me to do in my life today. But I still wrestle with this question, right? Why do I have to suffer? It is still difficult for me. You know, I was baptized years ago. I've spent many, many years studying the word and, and, and trying to find out how my faith can be greater and how I can live more into it, but I still wrestle with the question, why do I have to suffer? But as I wrestle with that question, I think it's a bad question. I think it's actually a really selfish question at the heart of it. What makes me any different than my non-Christian friend? What makes me any different than anybody else in the world? What makes me any different from the very creation that is longing, pa patiently waiting 
for a recreation to happen? What makes me any different? It's not so much, why do I suffer? I think the question has to be, is suffering worth it? If everyone suffers, is it worth following Jesus at all? If the world is, is patiently waiting to be recreated, if everybody is experiencing suffering, if even Christians are experiencing suffering, the sons and daughters of God are experiencing suffering, is following Jesus worth it? I want you to think about that. Is it worth the suffering? We talked about those who have to suffer, right? I consider it our present sufferings are not worth comparing to the glory that will be revealed in us. Is it worth it? I think the answer is yes. Don't worry. Okay? I think it's worth it. But here's a couple of things that I kind of want to just spend a little bit of time on, then we're going to be done. Okay? The reason why it's worth it is that we are choosing God now instead of when Jesus comes back and every knee is going to bow and every tongue is going to confess. There's a big difference there. We believe that every knee will bow and every tongue will confess when Jesus comes back. And there's going to be even people that said, I know you, Jesus. I know who you are. And Jesus says, you don't know me. You don't know me like that, man. You weren't actually living that way when you were on earth. But you see, when we acknowledge that, yes, we are sons and daughters of God, when we acknowledge that we are co-heirs with Christ, but we also acknowledge that we are going to suffer on earth, we are choosing God right now. In light of the fact that we are children of God, in light of the fact that we are co-heirs, and we will suffer, we are choosing God right now. I'm reading this book right now called uh, Letters from a Skeptic. And this is one of the quotes that he talks about in the context of suffering, okay? Suffering is the eternalization of one's character. Not positive that's a real word or not, but it was in a book. So maybe it is, okay? But when we persevere through suffering, it is the eternalization of one's character. We read earlier in Romans, and, I, and like I said at the beginning of the series, I don't want to jump around all around Scripture, but I do want to have some context. Paul actually talks about this just very briefly in Romans chapter 5. He says this. Romans 5, beginning in verse 3. Not only so, but we also glory in our sufferings. Because we know that suffering produces perseverance, perseverance character, and character hope. And hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. And I want to be very careful with this message because I don't believe that suffering for the sake of suffering brings you closer to God. Okay, sometimes we get into this mindset of, of denying ourselves of just simple things because it somehow makes us more holy. Now, granted, there are things that we do have to deny ourselves of. But it's the choices that we make that ultimately lead to our eternalization of our character. It's the, it's the choices that we make during those times of suffering that are going to make us who we become. And ultimately, by the, by the time that we are, you know, Choosing and choosing and choosing, growing closer and closer to God. It's no longer just a choice, but it's an impulse, right? It's a reaction. When we experience suffering because we've been practicing, I will experience suffering because we've been practicing through all those moments. We've been eternalized over and over again to become closer to God here on earth. And when Jesus comes back, we're going to be excited about it. I say this all the time. 
But if you believe heaven's going to be all your, all your favorite food, your favorite golf courses, your favorite whatever, and it's going to be flowy clouds, and it's going to be nice and bright and shiny, and we're all going to be wearing white robes or something like that, um, heaven's probably not going to be like that. I, I, I read Romans, Romans 8, and talking about patiently waiting, we don't know what it's going to be like, because if God told us what it was going to be like, we wouldn't even be able to understand it. It's going to be much more grand and great than we could ever imagine. But the trick is, is that if we don't want to eternalize our souls here on earth to be shaped into the, into the body of Christ, if we're not doing that now, we're not going to want to go to heaven. I promise you that. Because when we go to heaven, we're, 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 we're trying to seek eternal life with God. Right? We are seeking an eternal life with God where he's going to transform us and he's doing that transforming work right now. But it's up to us to choose God now. It's up to us to put ourselves in the mindset of eternalizing our souls for where we're going. Choosing God now. The second thing that I take away from Romans 8, 18 through 30, is that God is just. Thank God that I'm not God. Because my sense of justice is probably not very good. Right? My sense of justice is that the Orlando Magic got the first pick in the NBA draft, and it was a bad draft class. We'll see what happens, okay? I don't know. Talk to me in October. My sense of justice is, you know, is, is skewed as to what God's sense of justice is. Look here at the end of Romans chapter 8, verse 30, right here. And those he predestined, he also called. Those he called, he also justified. And those he justified, he glorified. Thank God that he is the one doing the justifying. Because like I said, there is so much suffering on earth. We could spend every single Sunday morning just hours and hours praying for all the, the destruction and disease and disaster that's happening all around us. And that wouldn't even touch the people in our congregation because everybody in here is suffering to some degree. But when I read Romans 8, verse 30, there's going to be a justification that's going to take place. And it's not between you and me. It's not, it's not a court. It's not a jury of our peers right? It is justification by God, the same God who, again, I'm going to go back, who we are children of, who has adopted us into sonship and daughtership. By him we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. Now if we are children, we are heirs, heirs of God, co-heirs with Christ, if indeed we share in his sufferings in order that we may also share in his glory. The sufferings that we experience are going to be justified. The, the, the suffering that the world experience are going to be justified. We don't have it all figured out yet. We don't even know what it's going to be like, but we know for certain that God is going to reconcile all that. Not just in you and me, but the whole creation. A recreation is going to take place, and God is going to be just, and he's going to glorify that creation. That's pretty important. That's pretty special. So it's no longer about God, why do I suffer? But we have a purpose for the suffering that we go through. We have a purpose. We recognize that this time on earth, if all we did was suffer on this earth, then yeah, I would seek a whole lot of glory for myself. I would seek a whole lot of things that would make me feel good and do the things that I wanted to do. But because I believe in something else that's going to take place, I find hope. 
I find excitement. I find so much excitement for those he predestined, he also called. Those he called, he also justified. And those he justified, he also glorified. There's going to be a glorification that's going to take place. And it's not because of your merit or your deeds, but it's because of the suffering that Jesus took on and that we also take on. This posture, this eternalization of our character to be one day justified and glorified in his name. That's, that's, that's special and that's important. So it's no longer a question about why do we suffer. It's a question of, is it worth the suffering? This week, I want you to be thinking about that and how you live your life. Is it worth living this life? Let's pray. God, I thank you for this time, and I thank you for uh, Romans 8 and uh, just trying to see this with fresh eyes. Uh, trying to recognize that, yes, we experience suffering on this earth. And it's not just us, it's the entire world experienced suffering. God, I thank you for the ability to patiently wait. Yeah, I, I thank you for the ability that even though we do suffer on this earth, we have hope because we recognize that you are just and you're going to do a great work in and among us, that even if you told us, we would not be able to think or imagine it. And God, we thank you that we are striving towards a day that we can be with you for eternity. God, help us to want that. Help us to want that in our lives, not just the, the simple things that we might want in our physical lives, but contextualize our lives so that we can recognize that we truly are sons and daughters of the King. Help us to eternalize our souls, to, to go towards that goal of being with you forever. It's in Jesus we pray, amen. Uh, this is the time where we invite you to come forward if you have any needs. If you feel that you are suffering right now and you feel alone, please know that you're not alone. Man was not created to be alone. That's something I've heard before, right? If you feel like you're alone, know that you're not. If you need to talk to somebody, you're invited to come forward. But like I say every week, Talk to somebody today while we come and stand and sing.